I had done marketing and PR. I had a business degree. I had marketing and sales qualifications. I really thought this is going to be a cakewalk. I've got everything that I need in order to have a thriving business. How wrong was I? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi there, listeners of the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm running a little competition as we're trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the work that inspires those to sell with love more. And the best way to do this is to leave reviews, both on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And for those of you who leave a review when listening to this episode, I would ask you to take a screenshot of your review and send it to me at jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. And in doing so, I'm going to give you a set of meditations that you can use to get into the state of selling with love, whether it's connecting with your buyer, affirmations before making calls or any kind of outreach. These will empower you to be feeling powerful and to be able to do it from a place of love. It is a reward for supporting the show, being a loyal listener, and of course, being able to give more to my amazing audience. Thank you for always showing up, listening, and being inspired by the amazing guests that I get to interview and I get to share their message with you. So again, just leave a review. Take a screenshot of the review. This can be done on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and email it directly to me, jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. Thank you, and now let's get started with our episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Today, I have an incredible individual that focuses on a key segment of clients that I also work with that I find are some of the people working on some of the best types of work that exist out there, mostly because I'm quite limited when it comes to this field. And I'm talking here specifically of creatives, whether you're designers, animators, working in the arts field, you often will find yourself being self-employed, starting your own small business, and you'll realize that there's a lot of business activities and sales activities that happen when you are a small business. Well, I've brought the foremost expert that really helps those who are creatives unlock their own power of growing their business, growing their impact. And she's a fellow advocate of Selling with Love methodology as well. So Una Doyle is with me. And get this, as the founder of Creative Flow TV, she's on a mission to help these ambitious, creative, small and medium business owners and their teams to unlock $100 million or pounds in additional revenues and create 1 million days of smiles for those in need. Now, she has seven years experience working with creative agencies, and she has also experience as an actor herself. And she has a methodology called the impact driven growth methodology. We're going to dive deeper into that and all the typical things that we find as roadblocks and how to overcome them. Una, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here and very excited. Love your work. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited to discover more about yours because here's the thing. You've been a creative yourself as someone that worked in the field as an actor, and you've kind of overcome a lot of the challenges that I'm sure a lot of your clients are probably facing when you first meet them. So I'd love to start there and say, what are the typical first challenges when people are creatives? Maybe they're starting as small business. They work for a company and they were doing the work. Now they're on their own. What are the typical things that happen right from the beginning that usually hold us back? 
Absolutely. And fortunately or unfortunately, I have personal experience of most of these myself as well. (laughs) So, yeah, it's interesting. So I worked in agencies myself doing PR and marketing and I set up a business doing life coaching because I came across the world of personal development and was hugely excited by that because I was so miserable. Like my self-esteem was through the floor. I had a lot of mindset challenges going on. I just didn't value myself. When I came across personal development, this was like, wow, this is this whole new world. And as I got into it and started making changes in my own life, I just really felt a driving sense of purpose to help other people to transform their lives too. So I did some training, quite good training actually, and set up as a life coach. Now I thought to myself, right, I actually already have done sales jobs. So I had done telesales in the past for a few years before I got into marketing. I had done marketing and PR. I had a business degree. I had marketing and sales qualifications. I really thought this is going to be a cakewalk. I've got everything that I need in order to have a thriving business. How wrong was I? (laughs) You know, for a start, a business degree does not actually train you in how to create a business. It trains you in how to be an employee in someone else's business and typically in a corporate business, not even in a small business. I still had a long way to go in my mindset. And I also made all the typical mistakes that creatives make in business. So here's one of them is that We have lots and lots of ideas. And so what tends to happen is we'll start a project and of course we rush into the project. We don't do planning and we don't do research and things like that. We just dive straight in. We're action orientated. We want it all happened yesterday. And so we do that. And of course, because we haven't laid the groundwork, it's not going to work perfectly or perhaps even at all. (laughs) So, and then what's our reaction to that? It's that's no problem. I've got 10 more ideas where that one came from. And we set off on the next idea. Okay. You're nodding. I can see this is obviously a familiar concept to you. (laughs) I'm going to add here being that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't necessarily associate myself as a creative, but it sounds like this is something not only a challenge faced by creative, but most people starting whatever it is as a small business, there seems to be this urge to implement immediately your ideas without a proper plan. And this kind of movement keeps you excited, keeps you wanting to go forward, but you're not necessarily taking the time to measure, prioritize. And so then you end up spinning your wheels a lot. So I've been there, done that as well. Right. And actually, I'd really like to define what we mean by creative. So yes, the vast majority of my clients are in creative services. I am also now working with some creative product-based businesses as well. However, I also work with other people who I would call creatively minded. They're not necessarily artistic, but they are creative. And so they're people who are bigger picture, strategic thinkers who it's not that they don't care about the detail. They just don't see the detail in the same way that other people might. And we do find that a lot of entrepreneurs actually fall into this category. The ones who don't fall into this category, they often do the complete opposite, where they research and plan and research and plan and think and reflect and don't get into action at all. (laughs) So, you know, they have a different problem, but it's the same issue in its people overdoing their strengths and any strength overdone is a weakness. 
I haven't heard that statement before, but I think it resonates really strongly because especially when you're getting started in business, you have to wear many hats. Like you can hire people, you can outsource, but sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and do a lot of different tasks. And if you're just focusing on the ways that you do them with your strengths, you'll end up overdoing. And I've found myself like going way too ADD on a small project that wasn't actually making the big impact. I get so caught up into working on something and taking it all the way home that now I lose sight of the big picture and I kind of need to step back and be like, okay, reset. What is the priority? What is the plan? How does this work in the overall business? And I think that's something that needs to be constantly reminded. This is one of the reasons why flow is so important. And what I mean by flow is because flow is a feeling, it's a state of being. And you know those times when you just absolutely feel on it, when you lose all sense of time. People often talk about being in the zone. You know, you're typically having fun. You're usually, in, certainly in a business context, you're adding value. I mean, we can all be in flow in hobbies, and that's a great thing to do as well. In a business context, when you're in flow, you know, you're adding a lot more value and it feels easier you know, that you're enjoying it, you have fun. And the thing is, is like, when you know what has you in flow and out of flow, like typically what happens with a lot of business owners is that they set up a business to do what has them in flow, yet they're not thinking about the running of a business. And so one of the key things I do is help business owners to understand how to structure their business and grow it in a way that has them more and more in flow. Whereas what happens with a lot of people is they end up getting more out of flow as their business grows and then they can fall out of love with it. Or maybe it just doesn't even get traction because they're not using the right strategies. They haven't structured their business in the right way to be in flow. And that was definitely the case for me is that, you know, when I then discovered about flow and the personality profiling tool that I now use with my clients, it was really interesting, actually, because there was like this internal sigh of relief when I read my report, because I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. I know how to do that. I know how to be that. (laughs) Yet, actually, I had spent the previous few years trying to be something that I wasn't because that was something that was very in vogue at the time. And there's so many different ways to market your business. It's really easy to get taken out of flow. I remember one client who came to me, they had a social media management business that was actually quite successful. They were earning good money, but they really weren't enjoying it. They found it very stressful. So they had decided to get on the create a course gravy train (laughs) So, which is still running. (laughs) So they created a course for VAs to become social media managers. And they ended up, they basically went from the frying pan into the fire. So they actually got even more out of flow. And when we did their profile, we found that, you know, she is what we call an air traffic controller, which is an introverted person, very analytical, much better coming into play towards the end of a process, not at the beginning. So she wasn't the creative kind of astronaut or pilot profiles, which are very good at, particularly the astronaut is very good at creating from scratch. And this is why she was actually very good at learning to write in other people's voices as a social media manager. So she was good at that part of it. 
But, you know, other parts of that business she found very stressful, dealing with lots of clients, that client interaction and all of that. And as a result of finding this out, we worked together and she created a whole new business. And most business owners don't need to do this, by the way. This is more the exception than the rule, but I think it illustrates the point well. She's ended up becoming a ghostwriter and she now earns six figures, in fact, more than six figures, earning her living as a business book ghostwriter. She's still writing in other people's voices, but now she only has like six clients a year to deal with. They pay her a lot of money and she only works part-time around her children, but she has a proper business. She's earning a good income, you know, and she has some of the little things that she does around the writing as well. Like she coaches some authors, just a little bit of editing, which actually is very much in flow for her as well. And she actually has written her own book about this process as well. I find it fascinating whenever I hear stories like this, because I find that a lot of times we get trapped into listening to someone else's idea of what we should be doing to be successful in business. And what you've just established is how with the particular skill set or interest, there's many ways you can build that business. And some of those ways are actually not that compatible with what you would do best. And this example is so powerful because some people, you might be listening to this right now, realizing like, wow, the bigger I grow this business, the more miserable I get. It could be because you're in the wrong business. As you said, that is more the exception than the rule. But I want to make sure everybody knows that in the show notes, I'm going to put a link so you can see these personality profiles that you can go and determine what is your type and what are these triggers that are being mentioned here by Una. So you can have a bit more clarity on yourself as well. And so you mentioned that the case of your client here, this is more of an exception than the rule, but are there times that you're just a little bit off and are there warning signs that we should be looking for if we're in this business and it's like, maybe it's not aligned or am I just going through a tough time? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, people can go through a tough time personally and that can have an impact on their business for sure. But if you're going through a tough time in your business, there's a reason for it. Okay, and I think it's diagnosing what's the real reason. And so this happens a lot with clients, um, you know, when I'm working with them. And so say, you know, a couple of two, three sessions and they still haven't done something that they were supposed to do. Well, why is that? Is it that it's out of flow for them or is it a mindset issue? Is it a lack of skill? Is it that they just, they're not clear on the next step? So we can diagnose what's actually really going on. And this is one of the reasons why I do end up talking about flow a lot when I'm coaching people on an ongoing basis, because people forget. <laughs> it's so easy for us to forget what has us in and out of flow if we're not reminded of that all the time. And we can blame other things you know, and we can blame the economy or bad clients or whatever, <laughs> but maybe it's not that. Maybe it's an issue of being more that you're not in flow. And so when I'm working with clients, we'll look at it from three perspectives. So the first is the business model. So like the person I was talking about just then, the next is about the growth strategies. So particularly for smaller businesses, what are the lead generation strategies that actually are in or out of flow for them? And then the third level is the actual tasks and activities that they do. And quite a lot of the time, people can really, really benefit from not just choosing what they're going to do and what they're no longer going to do, whether they just switch strategies so it's just no longer something to do in their business or whether they look to outsource or delegate that. It's also about the way they structure their time around it. So one client I worked with, they were a solo business owner 
And they wanted to grow their team. They'd actually had a session with their accountant where they'd looked at the numbers and it was February. And the accountant had said, well, I think you could take on your first team member in October. And they were talking with me and saying, well, I'm not really feeling that. That seems too soon. I just don't know that I'm going to get to that income level to be able to do that at that point. I said, well, look, let's see what happens. So we started working together. And of course, the first thing I always do with clients is find out what their profile is and what can we do to you know, help make things work better. It's not just about being more productive. It's about being more effective, right? Make sure they're working on the right things. So anyway, from doing that and then choosing what strategies they would work with, and they were totally aligned with their business model. It was absolutely perfect fit for them. And we restructured when they did things. And in doing so, we were able to actually free up two whole days a week without any outsourcing or delegation. It was just them at this point. They didn't have the funds to hire anybody. Two whole days a week, that's 96 days a year. That's over four months. Imagine what would you do with an extra four months? Right. Well, I tell you what this person did. They were able to hire their first team member in July, very confidently, very secure that they could do that. They now have, this is a few years ago, but I kind of know them, <laughs> obviously, and see them around. And uh, I know they have several team members now. Their business has really grown. So I think this part of flow is actually very important. The other aspect of flow is that you cannot be in flow and stressed in the same moment. Oh, that's an interesting statement. I've not heard that one before. Tell me more. Well, think about it. Think about the last time you were in flow. Did you have any, nyet, 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 I'm not good enough, nyet, 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 I'm worried about this, or I regret such and such, or I'm really guilty, or any of that going on? I think, no, it's an ultimate presence in the task at hand. So future and past don't matter anymore. Bingo. When you are in flow, you are totally 100% present with what you're doing. This is how time passes in such a different way. And in fact, in research, they push those kind of electronic and kind of node things on people's brains and measure them when they were in flow. And the geolocator and the kind of time sensing parts of our brains switch off when we are really in flow. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it is because I know, like, I've actually worked with Stephen Kotler when it comes to flow states. And, you know, for those who are maybe coming from the Mind Valley background, I probably went through Habit of Ferocity as a quest itself. So I've always been fascinated by it. But I've also realized that it seemed like in life or in business, it wasn't always like I couldn't chase that flow. I couldn't find myself consistently in those flows. But when you speak about a client that was able to free up two days, yeah, I could imagine if all I'm doing is the work that is in flow, so much more gets done. But are you saying this is one of the first places to look is just noticing times that you have to do tasks and it's like you would rate yourself a 10 out of 10 in procrastination. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what would be a prescription for somebody who'd want to go through that same audit Right now, they're like, yeah, like I have these days that it's like I have a thing to do and I look at my screen or I find myself on, I don't know what your soothing mechanism is, whether it's a TikTok, reading the news, going on YouTube, some of those coping mechanisms. How do we start auditing this to make a difference? Well, I think if you've identified what has you in and out of flow, that really helps. So 
you know, even for people who don't work with me and take the profile and that, you can very simply, you know, look at, well, what do I enjoy doing? What do I lose track of time when I'm doing? The time can go both ways, actually. So if you think of an athlete, like imagine somebody playing at Wimbledon, like they have all the time in the world to return that serve. So for them, time slows down. Quite often, I think for us as entrepreneurs, time speeds up. So we sit down to do a task and it only feels like 10 minutes and like, whoa, two hours have gone by. <laughs> right. So that's that real sense of flow. And, you know, we have to be realistic when it's just you in the business. You do need to do some things that will be out of flow. Okay, now typically for creatives, it's the admin repetitive work. Okay, the bookkeeping, the keeping up with email and all those kinds of things. So quite often when I'm talk to creatives, they want to hire somebody just like them because they think I'm too busy. I want to clone myself. And actually, that's the worst thing you could do is to have two creative minds creating chaos in the business. <laughs> what you actually want to do is to hire someone who is different to you. You know, really, when you're growing a team, you want to make sure that you're making your weaknesses irrelevant by who you're hiring and surrounding yourself with and with the business model and strategies that you're choosing. Okay. And then that way we can really be the best of ourselves. It really helps for people to grow in confidence because instead of banging the head against the wall, trying to become something that they're not or do a task or activity that isn't natural to them. And even if they do, so say that creative person, they can't afford to hire someone else to do the books right now. So then they do it, but then they know, oh, well, let's put some structure in place around it to make it flow more easily. And I know it's okay for me to feel like this. It's natural for me to feel like this because this is who I am, but that doesn't absolve me of the responsibility to have this work done. Okay, so for now, I have to do it, but I can outsource it at the first possible moment. So when someone is procrastinating, I would look at, well, how do you feel about this type of work? Has there ever been a time when you've enjoyed it? What were the conditions when you enjoyed doing that work? And if there was never a time that you enjoyed it, I would look at, well, is it a mindset thing? So are you thinking well, I can't do it because we can all achieve a level of competence. Now, competence, like they say, you know, good is the enemy of great, right? <laughs> so, but there are times when competence is good enough to kind of get you off the ground at certain times and to do things until you can automate it or hire somebody. But like, you got to check into your guts. What are you feeling about this? Okay, because when you're procrastinating, there's, in my experience, there's three reasons why. So one is it's something that's out of flow for you. It's not aligned with your natural strengths and personality. Number two is you're not clear on what the next step is. So do you need to just actually break that down? And is it just like, oh, this is too big a thing and I'm not really clear on what to do. So figure out the next step. And then the third thing is really mindset. So and that tends to fall into two things. One is fear of failure and the other is fear of success. Both equally debilitating <laughs> when they're in play. Una, this is some powerful stuff you're sharing with us here, especially when it comes to these sorts of procrastination and this mindset piece. I think that's one that's a bit of a lifelong journey and there's always different layers to it. And so I was going to ask you, when you work with people and you detect some mindset limitations that are holding people back, you know, they have the best intentions, they want to be able to do good, but the mindset gets in the way, whether it's that fear of rejection, fear of success. Do you have any advice for people for 
at least minimizing at a first stage if this is something that they feel is happening to them and limiting them from their success? I hate when people ask this question, not because I don't have the answer, but because the answer isn't what people always want to hear. So there are lots of people and tools out there who will help you with your mindset. For me, I have found one that has been super, super successful. Like As I explained earlier, I made all these mistakes in my business. Part of that was due to my mindset. And I really was so stressed, didn't value myself at all. I mean, to the stage that my ex-husband and every single man I'd ever been in a relationship with had cheated on me. Because like that's how much I didn't value myself, that I kept attracting these men over and over again and ignoring the signs. Because <laughs> the signs are always there, right? <laughs> Just we ignore them. It's the same in business. I've done a huge, huge amount of work on myself. So I would say you've got to do that. I actually, what I now do is I was very lucky in the early days of being a life coach that I got introduced to this amazing woman who lives in Denver, Colorado. And she has a tool that is a patent pending neuroplasticity tool that works with your whole mind and your body and all your energy levels as well. And that for me has been phenomenal. So my advice is always do that work. I've actually incorporated it. So I did actually train how to do that myself, but I now focus on the business side and all my group and one-to-one clients have one-to-one sessions with her team of specialists. So that's why I kind of, I feel a bit awkward answering it. Honestly, that's my advice is to have this kind of work done. But I know people benefit from other people out there. So whoever you work with, just do the work. The only way to get through this is to go through it. You can't avoid it. That's what I say. It's like, that's the work. And I find that when you get into business or you get into sales more specifically, you're always brought back to this fear over and over again. So it becomes an accelerator of going through it. And so I think that's side effects that most people don't realize when you get into your own business is all of these anxieties come up faster. And so you're almost pushed to go and find the solutions to go through it, to get the support more Hurriedly. Una, again, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to also talk about one other aspect because we spend a lot of time talking about flow states and its power, but I know you also have this whole idea of having impact driven growth and impact also being a very key modality within your framework. And I wanted you to tell us a bit more about what can we do to get more clarity on that impact and what do we do so that we find ourselves fueled to want to make the difference that's important to us? Thank you. Yeah, great question. For me, so my impact-driven growth model on the outside, obviously, so it has a kind of ring on the outside and it has impact at the bottom and results at the top. And impact is actually where I start. So I want to help people to get clear on, well, what is the impact that they want to make in the world? So we'll actually do some deep work around their vision, around visualization, around uncovering the purpose. And this can actually be done quite quickly, especially when you're shifting the mindset blocks of around doubt and fear and not being good enough and wanting other people's approval and all of those things, is that people really start to open up because a lot of the time they keep this stuff hidden because they're afraid of attempting to do it and failing and then feeling worse about themselves. (laughs) Whereas, you know, when we actually open up to that, 
you know, for some people, the impact is on a very micro level. It's simply, I want to be financially secure. I want my kids to have a better education. I want us to travel more. I want us to have a nice home. I want to make sure that my retirement is going to be secure. You know, so it's those kinds of things. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Some people want to change a whole industry. You know, some people are really excited about solving a specific problem for a specific group of people. Some people really want to give back. And, you know, so for me in my business, the impact that I'm here to create, you you mentioned at the beginning, my big, hairy, audacious goal of helping small and medium sized business owners to unlock 100 million in additional revenues and to create 1 million days of smiles for those in need. So I do that through an organization called B1G1. So please go check that out, folks, B1G1.com. And B1G1 it's like Amazon for good. So it's a giving platform. So they have very carefully vetted projects, worthy causes. They're all registered charities. They go and check their books. They make sure they're not spending too much on admin. They have to be going at least three years. And they're very much focused on projects that give a hand up rather than a hand out. So they're very empowering rather than disempowering in nature. So I've incorporated into my business every time somebody works with me and buys something from me that we give back. So we give to one or more of those worthy causes. So that's a big part of the impact that I'm here to create. Now, the other part of the impact is my beginnings were in life coaching and wanting to help people to make a transformation to become who they're really meant to be the best part of themselves, to absolutely liberate that. And in doing so, to be able to make a bigger impact for other people. And so actually business coaching. So yes, I can help any business, any established business to find an extra 50K in only 50 minutes without spending any more money on advertising or marketing, for sure. And that's a very attractive thing for people. But my hidden thing is that actually how I help people really grow the mindset part and that transformation, them being in flow, them improving their personal productivity, their personal leadership, all of that has a massive impact on who they are as a family member, as a friend, as a community member, as a boss, as a business leader. And that's, I'm getting tingles now, you see. This is kind of why I do this. So I get to give back but also we get to impact not just every business owner, but by getting them thinking about impact. It's the whole ripple effect of everybody that they get to impact. And one of the interesting things, I was listening to your episode about the value propositions, and you actually use a lot of that work in my work with clients as well. And he said something that I was just like, oh, yes, he said in one sentence, what I often take a few paragraphs to explain, which he said is that differentiation is an outcome of client value. And that's very much, I would say, of client value impacting your clients. So I say the same thing. I've got the same mindset around it as part of my methodology. You know, helping people to create a market dominating position doesn't come by coming up with a clever strapline. It comes by us looking at the business and, you know, really getting deeper than most people ever do into you know, what problem are you solving for who, you know, what difference is this actually going to make and how do we actually innovate what you do in such a way that you genuinely 
are different in the marketplace, that you don't look and sound like everybody else. And that is also a big part of creating impact because that helps you impact your clients more. Una, I absolutely love this. And you mentioned before we got on the call that you just started with my book as well. And you'll realize when you get into love the impact, we are cut from the same cloth. And this is exactly it. Like, I feel like that is the turbocharge for anybody who wants to do more is to get that clarity of the impact. And I'm glad that this is part of your method. I advocate for it as well. And I just want to recap for everybody, like the biggest things I've taken from this conversation here is just understanding that as we're entrepreneurs, we might be feeling like we can implement a ton of ideas, yet we find ourselves maybe failing on a lot of them because we didn't make proper plans and we find ourselves maybe not being in flow for a lot of the activities that need to happen in the business. Una discussed about how the power of getting into flow is such an asset that you need to nurture. And if you're not in a position to outsource this or automate it, know that there are specific ways you can structure and make plans around those activities so that you can get yourself doing them anyways. And the fact that you'll access your flow states in the business model that you have more often more will be done and hopefully your abundance will quickly follow so that you can be in a position to hire someone to take care of those weaknesses that you have. I would love to add at this part as well to make sure you're open to the fact that there's a lot of part-time task people that exist. Like you don't need to be looking at a full-time hire. There's a lot of new ways that you can structure contracts and work with people. So it doesn't need to be a massive financial burden. So I think you should open yourself up to those possibilities to stay in those flow states as much as possible. And then we made sure to cover the fact that, hey, if you are finding yourself with procrastination, mindset can be an issue, lack of clarity can be an issue. And Una, I'm going to ask you to remind me what the third one was when it comes to procrastination, because you mentioned the three sources, and I know lack of clarity and mental state were two of the major ones. I forget the third one. The third one is not being clear on the next step. There you go. And so when you start realizing the source of your procrastination are always going to be related to one of these three sources, you can start identifying them and working on them. So you can be a creative or small business owner of any industry that really can focus on the impact, whether it's just for yourself, for your community, for your clients or for the world. Una, I want to finish with one question I love to ask everyone that comes on the show, which is what does selling with love mean to you? Great question. And I've heard you ask it of other people. I should have been prepared. <laughs> Actually, I think in a way, I've probably already answered that. Because one of the things I often talk to my clients about is that, you know, when we've worked together to create something that is so super valuable to their clients, then, you know, really selling is a service. And to me, that's what selling with love is. Like an analogy that I often use is like, you know, would you go out at Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate and buy a load of gifts? And imagine, you know what it's like, you wrap them up, you put the ribbons on and the tags and everything, and you've got this pile of amazing gifts ready to go and then go and hide them in a cupboard? No, of course not. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, because you care about the people that you got those gifts for and you want to give it to them and you want them to experience the pleasure that they have in receiving that gift. And it's exactly the same for us. When we're selling with love, we're selling with authenticity and integrity and coming from a place of caring. Caring is sharing. That's what selling is. It's just sharing. And if you're doing it right, it's just a natural progression of the conversation, you know, and this is where like a lot of the time people, they lose the sale at the beginning 
because they don't have the right elements in place in terms of their offers, in terms of what's differentiating them and all of that. That, you know, it's for me, it's very much business strategy, then marketing strategy, then sales process and, you know, and selling with love. It just becomes easy. You're in flow then with that. Una, thank you so much once again for coming on the show. One more thing I want to leave everybody with here is the fact that in the show notes, we're going to have a link to Una's charity so you can see how you can buy things and be able to donate to people that are more in need to contribute to the goal of getting 1 million days of smiles. And we'll have also this personality assessment that can identify how you can focus on the right tasks when you want to go in flow and make sure that the key activities that you love doing, you get to do more of, and you can identify what are the things that you might be looking to have people work with. With you to complete. One more thing for Una. Yeah, I just want to say I'm actually putting a page together with some free resources for your listeners. So we can pop that in the show notes. It'll be creativeflow.tv forward slash selling with love. Love it. So we'll have that link available for everyone. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Una, thank you so much for being on the show. And with that, keep selling with love and I will see you all next time. Thank you. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.